What's going on, everybody? I'm Dylan Bertemery, and welcome back to another episode of Top Shelf. This past week has been filled with so much, and to add on top of that, Jack Eichel has finally been traded today. More details to come on that later. Um, we've got stuff from contract extensions to PK Subban being fined once again, and a lot, lot more. So buckle those seatbelts as we hop in to another episode of Top Shelf. So, before we get into the biggest news of this past week happening just today of the Jack Eichel trade, um, let's look at a tremendous milestone set this past week by Anaheim Ducks' Ryan Getzloff, also their captain. Um, He broke the record for the most points scored for someone in the Ducks franchise history, passing the great Timu Solani. He had 988 points, and on Sunday... Getzloff managed to get his 989th um, career point on a uh, backhand. It was a pretty nice feed, actually, backhand feed into Troy Terry, who finished it off. Um, Ducks have looked pretty good, but Getzloff now currently has 999, excuse me, 992 points, and he's just eight shy of 1,000, and obviously being their leading scorer, he would be the first to ever get to a thousand points in the Ducks franchise organization. Just thought that was really cool and thought I would share that with you guys. But let's move on to probably the biggest news and what you want to hear the most about. And that is Jack Eichel. So the trade details are um, Jack Eichel and Buffalo's 2023 third round pick for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a 2022 first round pick, from the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and a 2023 second round pick from the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, the one thing to keep in consideration is that this 2022 first round pick um, that they're going to receive is top 10 protected. And what that means is if Vegas manages to get a pick in from number one to number 10, is that Vegas would take back that pick and in exchange they would send a 20 their 2023 first round pick which would be completely unprotected and um to get um if that does happen um it will impact the other um assets in the trade so if the first round pick is in the top 10 then each other pick will get moved back a year so the 2023 second round pick would move to a 2024 second round pick And the 2023 third round pick of Buffalo would change to a 2024 or third round pick um, just to uh, keep it so they're not giving up two picks in one year. Um, So that's what each side is getting. Um, So before we break down what this means for each team, um, one of the biggest winners out of this trade is Jack Eichel. Um, Jack Eichel can finally get the surgery. Um, Vegas has agreed to differ uh, excuse me, defer to the medical conclusions found by Eichel's team um, to have the artificial disc replacement surgery. Um, so just good for him. Um, obviously, he's been tied up in this for quite a while now um, with Buffalo not allowing him to get the surgery, and now he finally can. So good for Eichel. Um, <clears throat> but let's let's get into what this means for both teams 
and what I what I personally think about um, how this trade went down. So we're gonna we're gonna look at what Buffalo is receiving. So Buffalo is their initial asking price. We have to remember all the way back was four first rounders slash like top tier prospects. And out of this, they're not getting anywhere near to that. And I think them holding out actually hurt themselves. Um, so Alex Tuck is a he's a very solid power forward he's currently injured gonna be out for like another month or so but then they'll have him back um i believe he might have grown up around the buffalo area maybe in syracuse or something so maybe that'll be good for their franchise but alex tuck at best is a second line right winger peyton krebs um the golden knight's first round pick um hasn't really produced anything He's supposed to be more of a point producer, offensive type of guy, and he just hasn't shown to have had that breakout season yet. Not saying it's not possible, but he doesn't look to be like a stud player. Someone in your top six may be able to play on that top line. He can play center or left wing. Um, the first round pick, obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen. Right now, Vegas is struggling, um, but I highly doubt that it would be in the top 10 um this pick so you're probably more looking at a pick in the 20-ish range would be my guess um unless for some reason vegas really falls off um and I, you can't really tell anything from that yet and then obviously a 2023 second round pick that's so far away not really sure they can honestly flip that too um so we look at what vegas is getting and vegas is getting jack eichel now um, Jack Eichel is a phenomenal player who we have just not seen play in almost a year now. Um, I feel like people are starting to forget how good Jack Eichel is. He's almost point per game in his uh, career. I think he's got uh, 375 games played in 355 points. Um, probably a top five center in the league when healthy. But that's the biggest thing is will Jack Eichel come back and be healthy? I think even if you get Jack Eichel back at 90% of what he was, I still think this is a great trade for Vegas, regardless of who they get with that first round pick. Um, so for right now, Buffalo, I think Buffalo got like, I, I think this is a bad trade for Buffalo at the moment. Um, we don't know what could happen. Maybe they'll be able to flip uh, Alex Tuck. Maybe Peyton Krebs starts going off and being really good. And maybe that first round pick, um, is another player that can play alongside of Krebs and there are other players like Casey Middlestat and uh, Dylan Cousins and Rasmus Dahlin. And maybe this helps flip their organization around. Um, but at the moment, I've got Vegas winning this trade. Um, but yeah, so one, one thing before I discuss, uh, there are some cap um, implications that need to go over um, about how this deal actually worked out. But yesterday there were rumors that it was Vegas and it was Calgary. And there was like rumors that Matthew Kachuk was gonna be involved in a trade. And that might make people think like, what, what was Buffalo doing? Like they could have had Matthew Kachuk, um, who is just another phenomenal player. Um, there was also rumors that the Blues were gonna get involved in this and somehow the Blues and Flames would flip Tarasenko and Kachuk or something along those lines but anyways Kachuk's not going anywhere and 
it was only rumors. Um, the Flames came out and said that Kachuk, or I think it was Kevin Adams, the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, who came up and said Kachuk was never involved in a trade. And the other asset that would have had to been moved for the Flames was Sean Monahan. Um, but he does have a modified 10 team no trade, uh, no trade clause, um, which I would assume Buffalo was probably on there. So Monahan probably wouldn't have been moving. So it would have been something like uh, Dylan Dubé, um, maybe Zadorov, or just a couple, and then like some other prospects and like a first rounder. Um, so might have been better than this trade. But yeah, just squashing those rumors that Matthew Kachuk was ever going anywhere that he, he wasn't going to. Um, but so now we, now we get back to their uh, cap implications, um, looking at the Golden Knights, because it is kind of interesting. So like I mentioned last week, I thought they were sending Zach Whitecloud to maybe move out a contract like Shea Theodore. We saw that they did, in fact, move out a contract in Alex Tuck. And what was Alex Tuck's contract? Well, he was making $4.75 million for the next five years. And Jack Eichel is obviously making $10 million for the next, uh, I believe. Let me check that real quick. I am pulling up cap friendly, um, which is an amazing website, which lets you see everything. He's making 10 million for the next five years. Um, so he did manage to make it onto the team. They put Mark, they actually put Mark stone who was recently injured um, onto LTIR, which, cleared up nine and a half million. They had a f- like $5 million or $6 million worth of cap space. They needed to clear four, but Mark Stone was already injured reserve. So they put him on LTIR. So right now um, on LTIR is Jack Eichel, Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So that's 10 million for Eichel, nine and a half for Stone and seven mil for Max Pacioretty. So we know, we know Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty definitely will be back this year. So that's 16 and a half million that they need to have. And the amount of cap space they have right now is 16.1. So at the moment, they would not be able to bring back um, the two of them, which is actually kind of interesting and makes me think that someone like a Laurent Brassot, who has, is their backup goaltender making 2.32, could be up to maybe be traded away. You also have um, like Shea Theodore making 5.2 for the next three, but I would think they want to hold on to Shea Theodore. So I go up into their forward core and Riley Smith. He's making $5 million just for this year, might get flipped. Um, They did just add Eichel, but do you really need him? I'm not sure. They also have Evgeny, Evgeny Dadanov, who they just traded for this past um, offseason. So that's just to get, you got to move at least one of those contracts um, just to be able to get both Pacioretty and uh, Mark Stone, who would combine for 16 and a half million. But if Jack Eichel manages to return, I think his return window after he gets surgery is going to be three to five months. So let's say he gets it mid-November. So you got December, January, February, mid-February to March, April. Mid-February to mid-April, he would technically be able to come if he gets surgery mid-November. That would be in time to make it. But part of me feels like that Eichel won't 
do that just because it would make it even harder on this team to bring him back. So there's potential that he is going to sit out um, this entire season and they are going to pull a Tampa Bay Lightning with Nikita Kucherov, where if he does manage to come back this year, it will probably be in the playoffs. Um, so that's kind of where Vegas sits right now. They are going to run into cap issues next year. Um, I think Brissot definitely moves, if not this year, next year. Riley Smith will be off the books. Um, and they've got a couple of players they're going to have to sign as well. Um, Braden McNabb might end up walking. They got to sign Nicholas Haig, um, Brett Howden, uh, just a bunch of these like kind of lower tier guys um, that are going to ask for a little bit of contract. Um, but I definitely think that right now it seems like Eichel won't return the season until maybe the playoffs. I think that's the only way it gets done unless they move both Evgeny Dadanov and Riley Smith, but it doesn't seem like they would do that. Um, so moving on to Buffalo's cap um, issues. So Buffalo has the exact opposite where they just unloaded Jack Eichel, who is making $10 million. So they needed some cap in order to um, hit the minimum. So you, you can't go below $60.2 million um, and you can't go above 82.4, I believe is uh, what it is. Yeah, I believe 82.4 is the max that you can have. So they were going to be under the cap hit after trading away Jack Eichel. Um, obviously, they did bring in Tuck, but that would not be enough. Um, to keep them up there. So they tr made a trade with the New York Islanders where the Islanders sent them Johnny Boychuk um, for future considerations. And this is really helpful for the Islanders getting his contract off of the books. And this helps um, bring the uh, Sabres cap up. Obviously, Johnny Boychuk is no longer playing, but his contract is still out there. Um, and still needing to be paid. So now Buffalo will be paying that off. So that's all the cap issues and all that for that trade. I think Vegas won at the moment. Obviously, it's going to be pending uh, that Jack Eichel comes back healthy. But again, if he comes back 90%, I think that that was a good trade for them. Um, so yeah, so now we move on to the update on the Kyle Beach um, in situation and investigation with Brad Aldrich. Um, we saw that Joel Crenville was having his meeting and he, uh, with Bettman and uh, he did resign um, from the head coaching job with the Florida Panthers. Um, he's going to take a break and he, if he wants to come back into the NHL, Gary Bettman said that he would have to meet with him um, and approve of the job. But my guess is Crenville, if he does return to the NHL, it won't be for another two years that he will be coming back. Maybe, probably even longer. Um, ultimately, the NHL ended up making the right decision. I think the Florida Panthers or the NHL should have not allowed Quenville to coach afterwards. Um, but good thing they got the solution um, right away. Um, and he also met with Kevin Shevel uh, Dayoff, um, who they decided was not a member of the leadership team of the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks. So they were not going to hold him responsible. Um, he wasn't in a high enough position to be able to do anything. So he's going to remain and keep his job as the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. 
And as for Brad Aldrich, so many people were calling for um, <clears throat> him not to have his name on the cup. Um, obviously on the Stanley Cup, all players get their names and all that stuff. And people were like, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me about that. Um, so yeah, people were asking for him to be X out um, of it because you wouldn't want to have a cup that has someone who did such a thing in uh, the NHL. So they have actually officially X'd out Brad Eldridge's name on the Stanley Cup and he won't be on there any longer, which I think is really good by the NHL. And I feel like they're taking better steps now. I think um, obviously having this whole situation is awful and good on Kyle Beach coming out and he's received so much support, which is really good. Um, and lots of teams watching it and players watching it and saying something, but the key is to just keep that up and keep it going. Even when this isn't happening, uh, cause it, it's kind of sad that it takes something like this for us to start talking about it and bringing it up and, uh, actually like enforcing it. Um, but at the same time, it is good to have this out there and hopefully it stays within the minds of people and hopefully the NHL can move along and keep um, just ma make things better and keep like a good hockey community because that's that's what everyone wants. We don't want to have to deal with this. Um, obviously, we want to just watch hockey. We just want to watch these players play, but there are bigger um situations these players are also humans and they are also people and um yeah so i think it's good on the nhl um but just hopefully something like this doesn't happen again but if something does happen um hopefully players feel more inclined to come and step out and say something this time um so i don't really have a good transition after that obviously very sad um but in other news where we look at pk suban um, who yet again was caught slew footing a player. This time it was Trevor Zegris. He received a $15,000 fine. Um, Subban just recently fined for that as well in, in the preseason, again with Ryan Reeves. Um, something that I feel like is going to warrant a suspension soon. Twice in a season, I think a third time could warrant like a hefty, like if he slew foots another guy in the next like month or so, I think they could warrant like a, like two to four game suspension. Um, and speaking of suspensions, uh, Zegris hasn't had, didn't have the best week because later in that week, um, again, he was, uh, he was boarded face first by Cedric Paquette of the Montreal Canadians who was rightfully ejected and then suspended two games for his action. And then in other quick news, um, for the pred predator, any Predator fans out there, Pekka Rene uh, has been announced that he's going to have his number 35 retired by the Predators on February 24th. Um, Rene will be the first ever Predators player to receive this honor with the club joining in 1998. Rene was drafted in the eighth round of the 2004 draft and went on to play 15 seasons with the organization. He is no surprise in Nashville's regular season leader in a lot of things, including games with 683, starts with 667, wins with 369, shutouts with 60, goals against average with a 2.43, and saves with 17,627, and also a save percentage of 0.917. Um, Rene won the Vesna Trophy, voted as the best goalie 
back in uh, 2017, 2018 season. And he was also awarded with the King Clancy Memorial Trophy, which goes to a player with uh, leadership qualities on and off the ice and uh, kind of human, human excuse me, humanitarian uh, efforts in his community. Uh, he won that last season. In other cool news, though, we've got Kalen Addison, who is a former second rounder from 2018 by the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, is debuting in his first ever season in the NHL. He's a defender on the Minnesota Wild now, and he notched his first goal on November 2nd. And well, what makes that special? Well, November 2nd, um, seven years to the date was when his grandfather passed away due to lung cancer back in 2014. And on top of him scoring on the seven-year anniversary of the passing of his grandfather from lung cancer, it was also what the Minnesota Wilds Hockey Fights Cancer Awareness Night, which just made the moment all that more memorable and all that more special. And Addison was quoted saying um, about, his, uh, about his goal is that um, that one is for him for sure, referring to his uh, grandfather, Alex Addison. Um, he said his grandfather would come out and watch all his games and cheer him on and always be there and support. So it was just a really special moment for him. And I just think that's amazing and really good and um, really happy for him for that. And uh, speaking of rookies, we're going to, for the first time, talk about the Calder race. Now we're just about a month into the NHL season. And as we look at the Calder race, um, Mo Sider of the Detroit Red Wings or Maurice Sider, um, one rookie player of the month, the former sixth overall pick from 2019 of the Detroit Red Wings leads all rookies with eight of his points totaling to eight assists um, in nine games. And he actually is averaging 22 minutes and 26 seconds on time on ice per game, which shows he's got a huge load on his shoulders. That's time on ice. You see from a number one defenseman, occasionally a number two, but most of the time a number one clocking somewhere between 22 to 25 minutes in a game. He edged out fellow um, Detroit Red Wing and rookie Lucas Raymond, who was selected fourth in the 2020 draft, who leads all rookies in points. He has four goals and five assists. Um, and we look at some other contenders, and one of those being Spencer Knight, who is 2-0-1 on the season with the Florida Panthers, putting up a 1.95 goals against in a 0.929 save percentage. Um, Spencer Knight was one of the players I highlighted um, when talking about who could potentially win it. Although Sergei Bobrovsky has been having a phenomenal potential Vesna candidate type season. And if he keeps that up, it's going to be a bit of a struggle for Spencer Knight to get game time. Although right now he is looking quite hot. Um, my pick to win um, and one of my favorite players, Cole Caulfield, has been struggling and he actually was sent down into the AHL. Uh, he had put up zero points. Um, I think the Montreal Canadiens are having an offseason and I kind of knew it was going to happen and Caulfield just seems to be lacking a bit of confidence. He came off hot last season. He came from college. He won the Hobie Baker for the best collegiate player. Um, got, was playing like all throughout the year and then came in and was just on fire and performed tremendously. I think Caulfield will regain himself. Um, he'll probably come back up later on in the season. I think he just needs a little bit of time to get that confidence back. Um, but yeah. And uh, 
speaking of players who um, were moved out from their team, we have Vitaly Kratsov of the uh, New York Rangers. Um, he got sent down to the AHL, but he highly disagreed and criticized the Rangers and refused to play with the AHL team. Um, they've since been trying to deal with this, and uh, he's just been technically down on the AHL team, but hasn't reported at all. And they've decided to loan him out to the uh, KHL. Um, he'll play for Team Tractor, and uh, he is not allowed to return to either the AHL or NHL um, teams until the KHL has finished their season. Um, in the reports and interviews, it seems like they've kind of agreed upon stuff now. But at the same time, I don't know how much of that is just them saying that just for reasons of doing so. I still could see a potential that he's just not going to fit. And with how the Rangers cap uh, issues kind of are up there, I think it is potential that he gets moved out before he meets his next contract. And finally, to close out our topics, we've got more defensemen getting paid and getting contract extensions. The first one, which kind of, I feel like went under the radar here just because of another defenseman who also got handed a contract. Um, so first we have Morgan Riley who got an eight year, $7.5 million contract. That's $2.5 million more than uh, his contract he has right now. And I honestly think this is a pretty solid deal. Um, people were afraid Morgan Riley, when they saw what the D market looked like, he was going to be asking for $9 million dollars. I think under anything eight or under would have been a good deal for Riley. Now, obviously, Toronto is kind of in somewhat of cap issue uh, problems, as it seems like a lot of teams are running into this cap issue type of thing, um, most likely because the salary cap is not going up um, due to the pandemic and everything. Uh, it didn't allow for the NHL to have a rise in their salary cap. So hopefully that happens soon for a lot of teams or they're going to really be struggling um, later on, but we look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and they have a lot of big contracts now. Um, next season, Mika Zibanejad's new contract is going to kick in. Oh, wait, excuse me. We are not talking about the New York Rangers. We are talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to talk about the New York Rangers right after this, but we look at the Toronto Maple Leafs first and we look at their team and what this seven and a half million from Morgan Riley means. Well, one thing it means is that um, next next year um, it's going to be a bit of a struggle. They've got Andre Kasha, who they're going to have to sign. Um, Pierre Engvall, also Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Liljegren, two defensemen who are coming off their entry-level contracts are going to want some money. Um, I think potentially TJ Brody could get moved out of there. He's making $5 million at the moment. Not really sure if he's worth that. And you might want to start pushing Liljegren up to the top line ice time. You also have Jack Campbell, who's going to be expiring, and he's going to be asking for starter money, probably around $3.5 to $4 million if he has a good season. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good deal for them, but I do think there will need to be some moves. And since I already spoiled it, we're going to be talking about the New York Rangers. And yes, Adam Fox signed a contract extension, seven years at $9.5 million. This is obviously an amazing contract. For the New York Rangers, Charlie McAvoy signed a similar deal. His was eight years at 9.5. Fox, arguably a more valuable defenseman, definitely better on the offensive side. Um, defensively is very good, and I think some people underrate his defensive side just because of how prominent his offensive abilities are. 
a clear number one defenseman making 9.5, I think is a very, very good contract for them. Um, they have to be happy with that. And like I was going to say, Mika Zabinijad, whose contract will kick in next season at 8.5. Um, and it's looking like they're only going to have $10 million worth of cap space next year. Um, so what does that mean with so many contracts expiring? Well, Ryan Strom, their second line center, is going to be a UFA, and he'll probably end up leaving. They're going to have to sign Sammy Blay, who's probably going to ask somewhere around $2 million. You've got Capo Caco getting off his entry-level contract. Unless he has a breakout year, they're probably going to sign him to like a $4 million bridge deal. Then the year after, you're going to have to sign Alexi Lafreniere, who might be a bridge, or depending on if he keeps playing how he's playing, because he's been playing pretty well. He'll get a hefty contract as well. And I look at two con actually i look at three contracts on the scene i look at chris Kreider, i look at barclay Gutro, and i look at jacob truba now i think one of the at least one of these is going to have to go um i would say that you would probably want the Kreider um contract to go uh i i know probably tons of Rangers fans don't want Kreider to go and wouldn't want that, but I just think he's getting paid way too much money right now. 6.5 for the next six years. Um, it's just a lot for Chris Kreider, especially if you have Lafreniere and Capocacco coming up. Um, but also that Barclay Goudreau deal is absolutely awful. Also six years, 3.641 for the next six years for a guy who just hits. Now, the problem with this is that um, Chris Kreider has a no move clause. So the only way he would be able to be moved is if he agreed to waive that. So it might be unlikely that Kreider does that as well as Jacob Truba, who also has a no move clause. So he might be hard to move unless you waive that, unless he waives that. And then uh, Barclay Goudreau, he has a modified no trade clause. Um, so he's a 15 team, no trade 15 teams. He can't be traded to. I could keep going on and on about what this team could do, but just a general about what their situation looks like. Um, so that's going to do it for our topics, but we're going to finish out with my three stars and league leaders. So at number three star of this week, I have Tony D'Angelo of the Carolina hurricanes in their last four. He's got two goals for assists, six points and was a plus six where the Kings have gone four and oh. Um, Tony D'Angelo has looked like a really good pickup, and the Carolina Hurricanes haven't looked like they missed Dougie Hamilton too much. At my number two start, I have got the goalie for the New York Rangers. It's Igor Shosturkin. Um, He has come out and proven himself being worthy of a number one goalie and a potential Vesna candidate. He went 2-0-1, putting up a 1.32 goals against and a .960 in their last three which is just amazing. And he has looked really, really good. And at number one, I've got Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers, who in the last three has put up five goals, three assists and eight points and has been a plus four. Um, they also have gone three and oh, he has been phenomenal. And in case you are wondering um, what he is on pace for at the moment, he's on pace for 182 points, which I understand is probably not withstandable. Um, but that is kind of crazy. And um, yeah, so that's it for our stars. So now we're going to move on to our stats leaders, run through those real quickly for you. 
So leading all rookies in scoring, like I mentioned earlier, is Lucas Raymond with nine points. Leading all defensemen in scoring is a three-way tie between Adam Fox, Kevin Shattenkirk of the Anaheim Ducks, and Roman Yossi of the Nashville Predators, who all sit with 11 points. Leading the league in points is Leon Dreisel with 20, and not far behind him is his teammate Connor McDavid with 19. And I calculated it out, and at this current rate, if they keep it up, they're going to combine for 355 points, which is insane. And leading the league in goals is another tie, and that is between the great A, Alex Ovechkin, who is now joined alongside Leon Dreisettel, sitting at nine goals apiece. And leading the league in assists is Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, who has 13 on the Edmonton Oilers, um, who have just been an offensive juggernaut so far. Um, McDavid and Dreisaitl also are up there as two and three. So one, two, and three are all Oilers players with 13, 12, and 11. Um, yeah, that's just kind of insane. And so now finally, we got some goalie stats now. And uh, Freddie Anderson leads the league in goals against with 150. He also leads the league in wins with eight. He is a perfect eight and O so far. So he's really establishing himself as potential Vesna candidate and potential Vesna winner. Um, James Reimer of the San Jose Sharks has been phenomenal, leading with a save percentage of 0.950. And Jacob Markstrom leads the league with three shutouts. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening as we've covered so much going on in the NHL right now from Jack Eichel being traded all the way to some new contract extensions and much, much more. Um, make sure to follow me here on Spotify and I'll catch you all guys next week for another episode of Top Shelf.